Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, welcome to this week's edition of Boots Up, where Dave and myself are going to look back over Leinster's victory in the Pro 14 final and of course look forward to our mammoth game against the Saracens on the weekend and all the other Heineken Cup action. Uh, poor John is in a rehab clinic, drying out after his excessive boozing over the past six months on lockdown. So Dave, um, what is it, our third Pro 14 victory in, in succession? Our 25th, our 25th victory in a row. Uh, this team just doesn't know when to stop winning, does it? It doesn't. Um, it has that, uh, I suppose, it's a cliche to call it a winning culture, but that's what it has. Um, and it's in a position where it doesn't even have to, you know, play particularly well to win, certainly in the Pro 14, um, if, it's, if it's in any way switched on. I mean, we saw it last week and we saw it this week. Last week, Munster scored in the first, what was it, five minutes, and then didn't score again. And it was the same on uh, in the Pro 14 final. Munster, uh, Ulster, excuse me, scored in the fourth minute and then didn't, didn't trouble the, the scoreboard operator for the remaining 76. Um, now, that's not to say that Ulster played poorly. Ulster played quite well in patches. Um, and they had some good players, but Leinster just slowly smothered them. I've often used the analogy before of cooking a lobster. You put it into the cold water and bring it to the boil and it doesn't thrash around. And that's what Leinster do. They, put a t- yeah. they bring a team in, they just slowly raise the temperature and the intensity and before they know it, they're cooked. But like, I, yeah, absolutely. And I thought that, um, you know, we were just able to absorb all that pressure. You know, like uh, they got off to a flying start. You kind of think, oh, this, could, this actually could be Ulster's day when they got those five points in the first few minutes when Hume scored. And then they just like... Then. Was that a good try? It must be said. Yeah, it was absolutely, and um, and like we just kind of our line out malfunctioned, kind of, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, we can go to that more detail, but we just absorbed all this pressure, and our, you know, we we made tackles, we we um, we just realigned all the time, got into their defensive position, and they couldn't find a way to get through us, and as a result, I think we just frustrated them to death. And, you know, even that intercepts trial, like that's just boils down to people rushing because they just, they can't, they've, they've exhausted all possibilities and there's nothing left on them. They just try and force the, the ball, past, you know, where they control pass where they shouldn't because they're almost panicking. Well, I particularly watched the defensive line in, in, during this match. When I watched it again, I, I, I decided to pay particular attention to that. And people talk about ingress, aggressiveness and intensity. And it, it's off, people often take it to mean that you're aggressive or you're, you're very intense when you're, when you're actually committing an action. But there's an aggressiveness and an intensity in the way Leinster players get back on the line. And that's a goal in itself, that they keep the line and it's always uh, in position. There's no holes in it. There's no dog legs in particular. And that kind of 
intensity and determination to do the right thing at every single point of the game is often overlooked because people, when people talk about aggression and intensity and determination, they're talking about what you're doing with the ball in hand or what you're doing to tackle a guy. But it's also about stuff about getting your ass up off the ground and getting back into the line so the guy beside the guy you're standing beside isn't left isolated or isn't left facing a disadvantageous situation. And that's one thing that Leinster have. Now, whether it'll be enough next week, we don't, we'll, we'll talk about that. But certainly against Ulster. Ulster, who didn't play particularly badly, but found themselves running out of players and running out of players with ideas in the right position because Leinster were just so resolute in keeping that line and in isolating guys and in driving guys back and in not committing bodies to the breakdown. Ulster found it very, very hard to create any kind of overloads whatsoever. Yeah, defense won that game for us. I just, yeah. like, you know, and we gave them opportunities. Like, and I mean, I can't remember how many poor line, line outs we had. I can certainly think of four or five. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, I thought, oh God, has everything just gone to pot? When you're, when Kelleher nearly kind of panicked and he th- takes a quick throw to Keane Healy, and it didn't work. You know, that's almost a sign of desperation that things aren't working, and, and like maybe they. Somebody said, "Oh, maybe they, they, there's so many Leinster guys in the Munster in the sorry in the Ulster team that they know our calls." I'm not sure if that's the case, but it definitely didn't work. But you know, they were able to kind of fix it eventually. Uh, I thought it was noticeable. We didn't throw much ball on James Ryan. I mean, maybe they were trying to protect him. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he was a, t- and maybe and there's an element of this as well because I remember um, I think it was Robin McBride saying it before the whole return to play started that one of the worries about playing in an in an empty stadium was that and this is before we knew we were going to have like the EA Sports noises or whatever but one of the worries about playing in an empty stadium was that the team uh, the opposite a future opposition be watching the match on television and could hear all your calls mm. now. That's not that's are they in the stadium or are they just they're not in stadium, they're in they're not in stadium, they're added to the picture by the TV company, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the question is, I don't know now. Um well I do know one thing. I, I know for example that um when we were making the Lenser Rugby the double DVD or the treble DVD, and we went to get match footage of um the Leinster Beeritz game, that came without commentary. So the but the, like we got a DVD from Sky and it just had the, the, the match and the crowd noise. So if, a t- so teams go to the TV stations to get copies of games. So you'd wonder if that being the case, that the DVD that Saracens will get and will be perfectly entitled to, this isn't anything nefarious. They're entitled to get coverage of the uh, 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 match coverage from, from the broadcast partner. Um, you'd wonder if that didn't have the crowd noise on it would yeah. that have the line-out calls or a, a certain an, an audibility of, of calls mm. and stuff like that that Leinster wouldn't want exposed? Yeah. I don't know. But I'm, I'm only sure speaking from my experience of working with broadcasting. Yeah, I'm sure it works both ways, though. You know, yeah, oh, yeah, it certainly does, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, um, Saracens, Saracens were quite careful in their selection last week um, against uh, Exeter. And what I was lo- really looking forward to has been a big game. And both yeah. teams played basically. It was the, like their seconds, right? Yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, we kind of rested a couple of noticeable, notable players from our team. Um, you know, we, we'll go through when I suppose when we're looking at Saracen's selection, but 
Ross Byrne, you know, we spoke about it last week. I think he was rewarded for all of his efforts that he's put put in this season, um, getting Leinster, or significantly contributing to Leinster, getting to the Pro 14 final again. It is uh, remarkable that somebody can just receive all the criticism that he does, yet he still can't. I thought it was his best, one of his best performances for Leinster. He gets a lot of stick. Um, he's like, I don't think he's going to be the next, you know, Owen Farrell or Johnny Sexton, no, no. or but he is a very accomplished rugby player and deserves more credit than he gets for. Yeah, uh, he's not. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's not going to be a guy who starts for the Lions, right? But he's still, he's still a really, as you say, he's an accomplished elite level rugby player. Um, that you know, when we put him into games, he never fails. He never lets Leinster down. I mean, he's played in big games before. I mean, when we went through that time when we were, we had a lot of out half injuries when Johnny got injured and then Joey got injured and he had to start um, a European Cup game. Um, he didn't let us down at all. And that was a level, that was a huge jump in level. Um, I always think, I've, I've said this before, but I always think Leinster play much better with an orthodox, and I, I include Johnny in this as an orthodox fly half, a controlling fly half, if you like, rather than a, than a running fly half. I always think that Leinster play much better with a guy like Johnny or a guy like Ross than they do with a guy like Felipe or a guy like Mads or a guy like Joey Carberry. But that's just a, a, a personal observation. I mean, Ross Byrne, to go back to your point, Jemison Gibson Park, a lot of the guys who got us to that final got to start in the final. I thought that was important. It was important yeah. that Rory O'Loughlin came on as well, for example. Yeah, you know, and I think like it kind of, it shows that like you were saying about getting up off the line in defence. You, you know, I, I read, I read, um, read a little article on, on what Dan McFarland was saying today. Like, I think he's got a master's in psychology and he mentioned a couple of quotes in it, kind of uh, military quotes. Yeah, that was a brilliant quote. I know the one you mean. Yeah, and it was like fighting for, rather than fighting for, you know, you fight for the men that are around you and you fight for your friendship. Yeah. And like, if those fellas are screaming at each other to get up off the ground, to get back in the line, to make the tackle and to, and to repeat and keep doing it, and not give away any penalties. You're doing that for the people that you yeah. respect and the guys that are, you know, and if you, if like, you know, that they've got a team and they're trying to keep 53 players, half, 54, whatever it is, that's our, trying to keep all those guys motivated and happy and, and interested. And like, you know, you could quite easily turn into, say, the, 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 the 07 World Cup squad where there was a, the first 15 and the rest, and the rest just were going off having pizzas and wandering around, you know, and, and not that bothered because they knew that unless there was a highly unlikely set of circumstances, none of them were going to get selected. You know, and we've got 53 guys. You've got to keep them all motivated. And one of the ways is to do that is to reward them for their efforts they put in, you know, and to, to give Gibson Park and to give Ross Byrne an opportunity to play in a final. Likewise, I mean, you know, J Josh van der Fleer, who was positioned probably for the first time in his career in, say, five or six years, starting for Leinster, is under significant pressure now from Will mm -hmm. Connors. And he was given an opportunity. Now, his, his situation might be slightly different to Ross Byrne. Ross Byrne knows that he's got the Irish captain in front of him. Whereas, you know, 
uh, Van der Fleer started in the in the World Cup. Will Connors, I'm not sure. I don't think he's got capped yet. And you know, he's he's biting at his heels. He comes out and he puts a man of the match performance in. Yeah. yeah. You know, like at least all the only thing he can do is just be able to go in to training on Monday and say, that was my best, lads. That's what I've given you. Yeah. Whether you yeah. select me for the big game against Saracens is up to you. I can't give any more. You know? Yeah. No, I, I thought that quote uh, you're talking about, the one from Dan McFarland, I thought that was an exceptional uh, example, like about guys, jo- guys joining an army for patriotism and mom and apple pie. But the reason why they fight and the reason why they kill isn't for that. It's for, it's for their friends. It's for the guy next to them in the foxhole kind of thing. And yeah. that's very true. I mean, it's, it, it, and to a certain extent, he was using it to justify, uh, or not using it to justify, but as an ex- explanation about how guys can move from one province to another that's not their own province. And it's a very valid justification. I, I, I completely accept it. Um, but it's also true when you're playing for your province. To a certain extent, you're not playing for your province. You're playing for the guys you ch- sit beside in the changing room, the guys you train with every week. Um, you know, you're, you're doing it for your friends, as, 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 as the original quote says. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, like, if you think, okay, we, we, we made a few changes, a few significant changes for that uh, final, but we made massive changes to the team that played Ulster two weekends before. Um, not too dissimilar scoreline. We won 27-5 on Saturday, two weeks before, previous. We won 28-10. So, like, that's a, an aggregate scoreline of 55-15. Mm. Mm. And one of those teams was our second, like, it was our seconds, you know. There yeah. was uh, 15 people uh, rotated in from the, from the first Munster game. And I suppose that leads me on to going back to the, four, the Pro 14, like, you know, I, I've, I, watched, I watched a podcast on RTE today, uh, it's evening, just, and like they were kind of denigrating the Pro 14, more or less saying that it was a crap standard. Like, I mean, it's not a crap standard, it's just that Leinster are very good. Mm. Uh, now, there are, some, there are some poor enough teams in it, but like, it just went through the, the you know, after 15 rounds of games, I'm going to kind of discount the South African teams because they only played 13, right? But we scored 531 match points, which is 106 points more than any other club. Munster have been the next down at 426. We scored 18 more tries than any other club, which was actually Zebra was the second. We scored 74 tries, 56 was Zebra's. And we ended up with 69, we accumulated 69 points which was 18 better than Edinburgh, which is like a quarter more points. Mm. So it's just that we're a really good team, you know? That's and, what I mean. It's like when, when, when we were growing up, the All Blacks, and probably they still are, were just so far ahead of everyone else. And when Ireland used to go and be beaten out the door by 40 or 50 points, or when they could come to Dublin and, you know, we put up a spirited performance for 50 minutes, and then they'd win they win it in the last half an hour or 20 minutes. They were just that good. Like, yeah. you know, and, and we've, like Leinster have achieved a position in pro, a pro 14 standard of just been excellent. And there was very little criticism of when Munster were that good 
10 years ago or when the Ospreys were that good eight years ago. The, the, the same sporting hipsters who, are de who denigrate the Pro 14 would tell you that there's no other league to watch in soccer than La Liga. And La Liga is the same. If you look at uh, La Liga or you look at even um, the Bundesliga, you've got, certainly in La Liga, you've got Barcelona slash Real Madrid, whoever's good that year, usually skites off into the distance, leaving the rest behind. At one point, the, Valencia finished third in, the pro, in, in La Liga and they were closer to the relegation space, places than they were to the team in second. Now, nobody would suggest La Liga's a crap league. It's not. It's the league that produced World Cups and all this kind of stuff. But it just happens to have, at this point in time, or maybe not quite now, but a couple of years ago, just happened to have exceptional teams in it, right at the very top. And I think that's what we have in the Pro 14. Is the Pro 14 all it should be? No, it's not. Is it all it could be? No, it's not. But it's not Leinster's fault. The, the Pro 14 isn't crap because Leinster are dominating it. Leinster are dominating it because they're very, very good. Yeah, but like it will only get the recognition if the yes. other teams bring. And and I suppose this was my point from last week was. But just just to go back I mean, to my La Liga example, just to go back. That was why Real Madrid were so obsessed with winning the European Cup in the fifties, hmm. because it justified their dominance in the Spanish league when everyone said, "Oh, the only reason they're winning is because of Franco." Blah 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 blah. And then they went out and beat everybody else in Europe and beat them off the park. That's yeah. And to a certain extent, that's what we have to do. We have to be that good in Europe yeah. to justify so, and validate what we do in the Pro 14. Sorry, carry on. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, like I suppose, this, well, that's why I, um, next, week's, next weekend's match is very important to us that, it, you know, all of those 25 matches are pretty much for naught. Like, you know, we just need to kind of prove that we are not just you know, not just very good in our crap league, that we're actually a very good rugby team, full yeah. stop. And that, um, and, that, and that in itself will serve the Pro 14, because people will say, as you said, like people say, actually, it's not a crap league, it's just that they're a really good team. Yeah, but for the league to be taken seriously, like from day one, the league was denigrated and criticised from day one, particularly mm. by Irish journalists, who all came up through rugby clubs and all of a sudden, the AIL no longer had was taking precedence, and the players were no longer play like fine letting off, you know, Quinny and Frankie Sheen for the six Heineken Cup matches every year, but they got to go back and play for Shannon and Gary Owen and and Corcon, you know, in in the AIL, and all of a sudden the the Celtic League was introduced, and those players weren't going back to their clubs, and they were remaining with their provinces and, and the you know, started off, for those guys the Celtic League started off in the worst possible way best possible way for the league in Ireland worst possible way for those guys who were pro AIL in as much as it was a Leinster Munster final in that finished in Lansdowne Road with a big crowd and it was uh, an exceptionally good final as well so mm -hmm. that added grist to their mill I suppose or, or took grist yeah. from their mill whichever way you want to look at it but like, yeah, exactly. And, and then, but like, you know, it's nothing to do with Leinster being so far away that the league is crap. The other clubs, um, like Leinster and Irish rugby, need the other three provincial teams to up their game. Not 
kind of to dismantle Leinster and say, oh, well, they're, they're becoming too powerful and too strong that it's, you know, like I heard some guy on RTE that went on that podcast, first time I've ever listened to it, Wesley, somebody, Wesley you know, Wesley. more or less saying that um, because Leinster are so strong that it's, there's a perception that it's just all the private schools and therefore the, the, private, the perception around the country is that Dublin... Dublin 4 is just this elite. Like, he's the journalist. He should be trying to write the articles to... Yeah. to dispel them. To dispel this bullshit. Um, you know, but anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. One other thing that came across in that was that Bernard Jackman had... Now, you know, obviously he's not involved with rugby anymore, or not involved to the same extent as he was. One thing that was very interesting that he said, that he mentioned about, about the Pro 14, what he had heard it was going to, the format it was going to take was that it's going to be a Pro 12 until New Year. So it'll be just the original Pro 12 teams minus the two South Africans. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after the start in the New Year, obviously this is all Corona uh, related. Pendant. Um that the four strong South African teams are going to come in to lead and join. There's a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of talk about that. A lot of talk about it in in South Africa, indeed. Um, normally, I've, I've I've kind of ignored it until I've seen South African journalists writing about it, guys who are connected, uh, mm. and they're writing about it. Um, they want. I mean, the thing is, their rugby culture is not entirely dissimilar to ours. Um, you know, it's uh, village clubs, city clubs, provinces, international team. And their attendance patterns are not dissimilar to ours. They like to go to a rugby match on a Saturday afternoon or watch one on a Friday night or watch one on a Saturday night. They can't do that with Super Rugby because yeah. of the time difference. They were actually all really looking forward to watching uh, the Ulster, or sorry, the Munster-Leinster game. Apart from the obvious South African interest, because it was a game that was on on a Saturday night they could yeah. sit down with a few beers and watch and it yeah. fitted into their idea uh, pattern of watching rugby so obviously the pro 14 has that advantage in that it'll be on a prime time in south african television same as it is here um there'll be no was there was the, the the traveling distances are great there's no jet lag because you're not crossing time zones and that means that south africans the large south african television audience it's advertising budgets will come into the Pro 14, or Pro 12, or Pro 16, whatever you want to call it. One other thing that they mentioned in that was that uh, they said in the old Super Rugby, South Africa contributed about 60% of the income to it. Mm. So like, yeah, I mean, New Zealand is obviously the hotbed of rugby, but it's quite a small population, 5 million in the middle of nowhere. Two poxy islands, I think some Australian coach once once called it. And obviously, it's not rugby's not that big a sport in Australia. So those two, you know, don't have the same bang for buck as South Africa do. Yeah. And if they can bring, you know, if you've got the Bulls and the Stormers playing in the and the Sharks playing in the Pro 40, that could only be good for the the, the league. It has to be. I was watching actually uh, the 2009 Super Rugby final was on. Uh, Sky was showing it. You know the way they're showing all the old games. They're showing the 2009 uh, Super Rugby final, and it was 
the Bulls against the Chiefs. And the Bulls put 60 points on the Chiefs in the final. Mm. Um, but there was a lot of guys kind of who, who ended up on Irish shores playing. Um, obviously, Kirchner was playing for the Bulls. Pedri Vandenberg was playing for the Bulls. Mills Mully Aina, who was, uh, was play- and Craig Clark, who ended up in Connacht, were playing for uh, the Chiefs. Toby Moreland, who ended up in Munster, was playing for the Chiefs. And the Bulls runner, you know, the way, the, the water boy, if you like, the Bulls runner was Johan Van Graan. Was he? Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, he was a member of the coaching staff, and they used coaches rather than players to be mm. the runners in, 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 in the thing. And so I was like, oh, geez, they're coaches. Jeez, the Bulls were some team. That was some bloody yeah. team. Wasn't it just magnificent? Well, we take at John's stats vomit. Yeah, fire away. <laughs> Hold on, we take a look at it now. This is John's uh, contribution for, from his um, nursing home. <laughs> he, he has uh, he's dragged in all of the players uh, that have played in the Pro 14 this season, uh, along with the positions and what we who we've used over the course of the Pro 14. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a comprehensive piece of work, actually, isn't it? It is. And it does show. I mean, you just look, list of names. He's, he's lovely writing, by the way, hasn't he? He's, he's, he's a woman's writing. Um, it is. It is. I think he got his daughter to do that. I think he might have done, because that's, 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 that's a female hand. Anyway, yeah. um, what would I know about a female hand? Says you, hey. um, <laughs> but... Uh, when you look at the lists of names beside each position, it does show how many players we've used, um, particularly at tight head. We've used a lot of players at tight head. Seven. Mm. Yeah. We do, we do go through a, 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 an awful lot of players. But it, that is a lot when you think there's only, you know, like you've got second rows, there's seven. Yeah. You know, our, our back, like there's three positions in the back row. Yeah. There's eight of you. Yeah. yeah. And there's one position at tight head, and we've used seven of them. Um, yeah. Very efficient position, and uh, well, we don't have to worry about two of them next year anyway. <laughs> true, that's very true. <laughs> anyway, so you can thank John for that. Um, uh, as I said, stat vomit. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm, just gonna, I'm just going to check our social media to see do we have any questions pertaining to the final? Because most of the questions I have to say that came in are about next week. But I just want to see do we have any that pertain to the final. Um, because I think, I think most people have kind of just... Uh, the final was just a, a, a kind of a, almost a... It was like a, 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 a speed bump before getting to the real meat. The minor game, was it? It was, it was. Yes, the minor game. That's what it was. And Michael Keogh has a good question, which, which kind of ties both all together. What do you think about Leinster changing the captain's band for nearly every match? This, is do- this was done a lot last season. I think it is starting to pay off in terms of having a bigger bunch of leaders, all putting their hands up for the team, moving into the new season. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, having, having a wider range of experienced uh, guys in the leadership pool can only be a benefit to Leinster. Yeah, I I remember reading something Lancaster, um, um, an interview with Lancaster, and he was actually speaking about Ringrose. Said that he was, you know, obviously an Irish international, but he couldn't get over how quiet he was and kind of introverted. Mm. And you know, I thought it was an unusual choice of captain because, but maybe it's to encourage them to yeah. come out of their shell a little bit. Yeah. 
and like I know he's on the leadership group, but you kind of got to be on the leadership group if you're got thirty odd caps for Ireland yeah. and been a, you know a starter on the team for four seasons. Yeah, you know, like that. Like if you're not, then what's wrong with you? It was actually quite funny. I thought watching himself and Johnny putting their medals on one another. Um, mm. It was actually I, I actually preferred it without any of the the dignitaries there. You know, the players did their own medals and then took their own trophy without some. Always nice to way. see some suit from a marketing agency get doused yeah. in Ulmers or yeah, you know, that, yeah, like I, I do like seeing that. Yeah, well, the, the, I'm sure they could have thrown somebody into the baths afterwards, but. Uh, <laughs> It was nice. and, and of course the tradition was continued of the if you like if you ever want confirmation of the guys leaving Leinster see if he lifts the trophy yeah um, so so it looks sure. like Carney is going oh yeah yeah it's certainly it but I, 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 I we, we talk about those uh, at the end of the season I think but um, it was nice to see them getting their moment in the sun yeah and it's a lovely tradition you know I mean I'm, yeah it is we're, yeah. Not, we're not the first club to do it but no. again it kind of goes back to Zero ego. I mean, I suppose that's comes from Leo. That, that's the epitome of Leo Cullen, is what I was yeah. going to say. And Lancaster seems to be quite an unassuming kind of bloke as well. You know, a very down to earth, you know, matter of fact uh, man Leo Cullen is. Doesn't blow his own trumpet yet. He's lifted, sorry, he's given somebody else the opportunity to lift mm-hmm. the Heineken Cup three times and obviously once as a coach. But you know, uh, just like you know, no one, no one is bigger than the team, and let the guys that have contributed a lot to the club over the last number of years to uh, have that nice little parting gift to, to yeah. lift up the trophy. Yeah. Absolutely, I love to see it. Yeah. Uh, so, Dave. So, I suppose uh, moving our attention towards the Saracens game, uh, like this could. I think I said it before, though. You know about other matches, teams were lying in wait for us. But I kind of do think that we don't know what Saracens are like this year because they haven't played first teams in any other game. They've been mixed and matching. Loads of their guys have have vamoosed, and but they're still a very good, strong. Like if you look at their, if you project first fifteen, they look a very, very strong side. They're obviously missing some key players. You know that. Have, I mentioned ones that have left, but also Owen Farrell, who's obviously out for five weeks. Um, but like they have had nothing to do since since they were more or less told that they were going to be playing in the in the championship yeah. next year, except focus on this one game. You know, like all the other matches were Mickey Mouse to them. Oh yeah, it it, it didn't matter. They, they basically had one of the best training schedules ever put together by. For fitness, for for strength and conditioning and fitness, because that their training sessions were played at match pace, um, because they were actual matches. Um, yeah. The one thing that that's good, um, and we looked through it because we 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 we've done a, a thing gathering together. That that I mean, Leinster. This will be the third time in recent years that Leinster have played at Saracens once in a quarter final, once in a final, and obviously with uh, you know time and what's happened to Saracens, there's been a lot of churn in the Saracen squad. Um, so we'll kind of take a look at that and then we look at what we re- reckon the, the, the projected uh, selections for Saturday will be. Um, well, we take a look at the teams that played in the uh, 2017 quarterfinal. 
year. Um, 18 quarter final, wasn't it? 18, sorry, 18 quarter final. Yes, you're right. So for the purposes of this, I've counted Carney and McFadden as having departed. And Owen Farrell obviously is unavailable. So I counted him as, as having departed as well. Um, there's a lot of red on that Scarlet side or on that um, Saracen side. Yeah, particularly their bench. Yeah, particularly their bench. Um, they've, they've only got nine out of the 23 that started that day are still at the club. Um, now, guys like, um, so George Cruz is away, but he's kind of on loan. Same mm. with Alex Lozowski. Um, but, TT, but they won't be back, so they're, they're unavailable. Whereas there's been much less churn for us. Um, I was debating whether to put Dan Levy in red or not, but I suppose he remains available for selection. If you were selecting your team for Saturday, for our team, how many out of that team would you have to start? Out of the Leinster team? Yeah. Like, who would you pick? Pick um, Ringrose is going to play. Ringrose, Low, Sexton, McGrath. Yeah. Uh, Healy, Toner, Ryan. Yeah. Those would be from the starting team. Mm. And I'd have, I'd have uh, Ruddock, uh, sorry, not Ruddock, uh, excuse me, uh, Porter starting as well. Yeah. Um, and you might have O'Loughlin on the bench like last week. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, 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 if we go on to, um, this is the teams, this is the teams as I think they'll line up on Saturday. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with anyone there in, in that starting 15 for Leinster. Yeah, the, que the question is over Tyke Furlong's fitness. Um, and the yeah. other question is whether or not you go with Scott Fardy and Reese Ruddock, or do you go with Scott Fardy and a specialist open side? Yeah, again, again like... Hard to know. Like yeah. Van de Fleer did nothing right. Van de Fleer had a fine game last yeah. week. If you don't pick Reese Ruddock this week, like where does he see himself in the club? Well, that's the question. I mean, he's he's. Well, people forget that Reese Ruddock is actually only twenty nine still. He's been around so long. People assume he's much older than he than he actually is. He's still only twenty nine. Yeah. So, you know, there's six years left in that guy. Mm. And. If he's not getting a start at Leinster or not even, you know, coming close to, or not making the bench for big games, you know, he would have a legitimate cause to think, well, maybe it might be time to maximise that my income and my chances of playing for Ireland in the remaining six years. Yeah. Or he I might just say, I'm going to England or I'm going to France, you know, or yeah, Japan. Or Connacht. Or Connacht. Or like, you know, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, there's... Like, I was, like when I was looking at the Saracens team, I found it really, really hard to pick their subs because of, I looked at their entire squad and I really only knew three of the guys who, weren't, who I hadn't got starting. Callum Clark, um, Barrington, Richard Barrington, mm. and Rotomi uh, 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 Segun. The rest well, of you got, You're probably going to have Manu um, Vinopolo. On the bench, yeah. Yeah. Either either a ten, like I, I like uh, I would probably agree with you on Alex Good a ten, but he hasn't played a lot there. He did play, he did play ten in. Um, I think they played Glasgow in a quarter final a couple of seasons mm -hmm. ago. 
but he hasn't played a massive amount of ten. But I'm sure he could easily fit in again. Oh yeah. And one thing while we're looking at teams, because I think this is going to be a key for next week. These are the teams from the final last year. And while Saracens will have a very strong 15 out on Saturday, the one area where they're in massively weaker, and it was a key factor in the final last year, is the bench. Yeah. They won't be able to bring on players of the standard of Wigglesworth, Koch, Schalkberger, like they were, did last year. They just won't be able to do that. And that's going to make a big difference. We'll have the edge on the bench next year, next week. Yeah, and if you, you remember, I think they're, I think two of their three front row went off after 20 minutes. Mm. You know, and like, so those lads came on and played pretty well yeah, in, yeah. The, in the last hour of the game. But I, I watched that game again, and like, again, you know, we were beaten, and I'm not going to try and def- try and say we weren't well beaten, but I don't think we were hammered, like as some no. people would say. No, we weren't. No. Um, you know, we were, with about five minutes to go in the first half, we were 10-0 up. Yeah, if we, we made touch, it might have been slightly up. different. What's that? If we made touch that time. Yeah, but like I thought we gave away a, quite a, a soft penalty then, yeah. for the three, and then... Uh, we didn't take we we didn't execute getting our touch kick, and we again gifted them. So we went in massively. Like even as a supporter, walk. I remember walking in at half time, feeling deflated. Going, we should have been going in at half time, ten nil up in a final, and we're going in ten all. Like you know, and if I felt like that, how did the players feel? You know what you were feeling. You were feeling what Leinster have made other teams feel like. Mm. on a regular basis because you know the way we always talk about how Leinster in the five minutes either side of half time really turned the screw and the reason yeah. for that is so the team goes in at half time feeling like you were feeling yeah yeah and like obviously they went through a very purple patch in, in parts of the second half when they were pounding our line and they got over and you had uh, Vinopolo you know kind of unstoppable when he's, like, when he's in that form it, you know, it takes two guys to take him to mark him, and you know we weren't able to to deal with him. But in saying that, we had opportunities. Like Gary Ringrose had an opportunity; he had an overlap, and he he didn't take it. You know, we had opportunities in that game. It wasn't like we were beaten by thirty points. No, we no. were beaten by a score. And you know, um, like I'm not trying to say that. Oh, we was robbed, ref. Wasn't anything like that. They deserved to win, but wasn't a pounding. We didn't take a pounding. No, no. I mean, it's a case of we wasn't robbed, ref. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, um, we were talking about Saracens missing players on the bench. There's, there's, there's so many factors in this game. First of all, there's the fact that, you know, we're after this huge break, this huge lockdown. So. We don't know really what effect that's going to have because all we've seen are little bubbles. We've seen the bubble of the Premiership. We've seen the bubble of the top 14. We've seen the bubble of Super Rugby or the two bubbles of Super Rugby. But we haven't seen teams up against one another from crossing over. So it's very hard to say how the two, how the, the, the twain shall meet, shall we say. Mm. Um, 
So that's that's going to be very interesting. You've got the fact that Saracens have obviously lost all those players for whatever reason. They've lost all those players, but then you've got kind of an an offsetting factor in a t in a game that's really really close. You'll see people will say the crowd doesn't make a difference. Right? You'll see people say that oh, it doesn't make a difference. It, 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 that's just fans patting themselves on the back. It makes no difference. And then you see the home and away records of teams, and the home record is always way way better. And in a game that's as close as Leinster versus Saracens is likely to be, even if fans only contribute 0.05% of, of something to the match, in a game that close, that 0.05% could be the difference between winning and losing. Mm. So it's, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they react to the, the, the empty bowl. Yeah. Like I suppose that they they do play in Allianz Park, so they're not. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying Saracens might have the advantage here? You never know. You never know. Um, like, you know, you put up your 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 team, Dave, and I wouldn't disagree with with any selection, but um, like, you know, there is that debate that they are going to have, I think, over Van de Fleer versus Will Connors. Yeah, I think Will. I think Will Connors is going to be employed to chop tackle Vinopola yeah. and stop him at source. Now, yeah. Um you know, Van de Fleer was kind of given a similar job against Cortesia again. And uh, did it well. And did very well. Yeah. So you know it's not like but but I do think like you you know, I think Vinopolo uh, can be the difference in that team and when when both we, when both uh, Leinster and Ireland played against teams without Vinopolo in it, and then when yeah. we do play yeah. play him in it, he kind of is the difference between the uh, between the two sides sometimes. Uh, and we both agreed that Dan Levy won't be involved. No, I don't think. I think I don't think so. I don't think he. I don't think he's ready, and I think. I don't I think, think he said, could be ready. I, I just think I. I said it last week. Maybe like in two weeks' time, we're going to play the Dragons and we're going to play. Um, Zebra, is it? No. Zebra. Yeah. Like, that's a perfect opportunity for yeah. him. Hold him back he, in. Like he can play, and if if we win this game, we he he and he gets through those two or one of those two games, unscathed and is in reasonably good health. Bring him in and put him on the bench, baby, for. The semi-final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I, I just don't think he's, I don't think he's ready to come off the cooker just yet. Um, it's it, like he's, a, he's a prized, he's a prized asset of both Leinster and Irish rugby. Why burn him out? Why yeah, rush somebody yeah. back and like let him get back when in his own good time? I mean, and it's not you know, as if we're, we don't have players there. Bingo. Yeah, exactly. There's fellas in there that have soldiered all season. You know. And done very, very good jobs and sort of made names for themselves. Uh, it's not like he had played half the season, got injured, and then, you know, like, don't rush him back. You haven't rushed him back, and he's made good progress. Start him when he's ready. Um, do you think McGrag, you obviously thought McGrag against um, Gibson Park? Yeah, I just went for, I mean, Gibson Park, I mean, one thing Gibson Park does, and he deserves credit for it because he, he, he does it repeatedly, so teams must be looking for it, he still does it. 
that still gets away with it, is that zipped pass off the base from about a yard or two out. Mm. Um, he did it again, put low, he put low in for a try. He did, and I could just see him get, like, if not saying it, he was definitely mouthing it to Devon Toner. Get out of the bleeding yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> it was coming, all right. But he, I mean, he does do things like that really, really well. To be honest with you, it's 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 it's, and that's Tadger between them. I'm seeing as Johnson here. Somebody's got to use phrases like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'd go with McGrath. I think McGrath's just a slightly bit better all-round scrum half. Um, and yeah, and the other one was Doris. I mean, I. I don't think I don't think his position's under threat, but I just I'm just getting more and more impressed with that lad. Like yeah. he didn't win man of the match last week. But oh my god. <laughs> every every attack we had, he was uh, he was fulcrum to it. Yeah. He's he's I don't like He reminds me I've said it before and I'll say it again, even though he's playing six, he reminds me so much of Jamie Heasler. Yeah. It just if you go, if you if you think back on the team that played in that, you had it up there a few minutes ago in the final. I was actually going through it uh, last night with somebody, and we were saying like the back row looks actually stronger now. Mm. The back row in that game was Jack Crone and Sean O'Brien and Scott Fardy, and I think the the, the back row that you mm. selected there of Conan, uh, Doris, and uh, Will Connors, I I think on form and how did that back row played in the final back in May uh, 2019. I think the current back row is actually in better form, even though, you know, it contained World Cup finalist and yeah. Sean, yeah. legend Sean O'Brien. I think, uh, like, I don't think you know, Sean O'Brien was quite poor in that, in that game. Yeah, he wasn't at 100% and I don't think Jack Conan yeah, was just that either for that game. He'd been out for a long time that season. Um, so I do, I do think that, I'd agree with you, Jack Conan's backfiring in all cylinders. Um, Quaylen Doris has, has just had an incredible season. Um, whether it's at eight or at six, um, I think I think it's a matter of getting him into the team because he's too good to leave out. Yeah, and then whichever of our sevens. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, it just it's it's just it's just frightening that I don't know many years ago, maybe three years ago, you know, yeah, Jamie he's the retired. Sean O'Brien had been injured for for a while, and then he's obviously gone. So that's two, you know, stalwarts of the team for nearly a decade taken out of this side. Mm. And we've just, you know, there's been no kind of panic. These guys are just slowly tipping away. You know, even Dan Levy, who probably would have been there and thereabouts, you know, Irish player of the year for the um, for that Grand Slam winning side. Mm. And he was out for the last 18 months. And there was no kind of panic. It's okay, we've got this conveyor belt of back rows coming through. Mm. Like, it's just frightening. I think, I think it shows good plan, planning if you think about it, because you look at the age Sean was when he left, you look at the age Jamie was when he retired. You know, Reese Ruddock is still young, but you look, Geno left, McLaughlin, if he'd been able to finish his career, would, would be retired about now. Mm. And you look at all the guys who come online now, and we, you know, sometimes we wonder about, oh, how come they've taken in so many props and so few centres into this into the academy? We do this every year, and we think, but they're not thinking about next year or the year after the year after. That that academy, the academy that's picked this year, is for six years down the line. Yeah, and that's that's what's happened here. You've got guys like Will Connors, like 
Grail and Doris, like, um, you know, Max Deegan, who came into the academy maybe four or five years ago because we, they knew we'd need players in 2020 because Jamie would retire, although he had to retire early. Kevin McLaughlin would retire, although he had to retire early. Sean O'Brien would be moving on and stuff like that. So it was, it's the foresight that goes in. It's the entire organisational foresight, not just, you know, the 15 on the pitch. It's the guys in the back room, the guys who are scouting schools, bringing guys into sub-academies, bringing guys into academies that are able to put these guys on the pitch and able to turn over the back row, like you say, yeah. in the space of a year. I know, it's, it's, it's incredible um, pro- progression planning, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's, it's industry leading. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple of questions um, on the, on the t- t- Twitter machine. And one that's very interesting, actually. Um, uh, Ricardo Tierney asked, barring one knock-on at the back of a mall, James Tracy played well last week at 16, but did he do enough to make the bench ahead of Nugget this weekend? And he's assuming the Ronan Keller starts, which I would as well. Now, I had Tracy on the bench more out of, you know, Tracy and Cronin. Yeah, I, that was a selection that really surprised me when I saw it last week. And I didn't think that Cronin's demise was so near, you know, so imminent. Yeah. Um, I, suppose, I, I, I suppose the thinking, certainly maybe against Ulster and maybe against Saracens as well, is that, <clears throat> look, let's face it, neither of them are going to be able to hit a cow's arse with a banjo. Um, but Tracy is a power guy. Yeah. And maybe that was the thinking. Because Ulster had a lot of power guys on the bench, or we thought they had anyway, in, 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 in McGrath and Moore. Um, obviously, we think that Saracens will be, whoever they pick, I don't know them, but I'm sure they're going to be powerful. And maybe that'll be the thinking that overrides again this week. Or maybe yeah. they'll go the other way completely. Maybe they'll decide to go with Cronin and decide to run the legs off them. You don't know. But yeah, one thing that is a worry is our lineup. Yeah, and that was that did like I mean, you wonder if there was a like, you know, if if obviously it goes without saying the strength of some of the Saracens pack. You know, they probably got the best second row in the world. Mm. Um, and this, they have the best like, boiling like second row in the world, particularly. Itoje is an absolute pest. Yeah. He's absolutely no, he's he's the best spoiling second row in the world. So but but but, but like if, if you think you've got I don't know let's say let's say there's fifteen lineouts in a game and we gave away approximately a third of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're handing over a third of your possession. Like really Ulster should have done a lot better. They should have done. Considering how much possession we like, they had 50, they ended up with they had fifty eight percent possession, which you know it's not it's not that much more than than fifty fifty, but they should have done a lot better with yeah. it than than we, were, we gave them, like a better we team would have been able to capitalize. Pardon? Sorry, Dave. I, I said, said a better. Oh, go on, sorry. Yeah. I I said we were able to take it back off them handily enough. Yeah, exactly. But I thought a better team would have been able to capitalize. Oh, yeah. Oh. on our air uh, you know it was like we 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 put kind of whatever uh, uh, you know a 20 points 20 odd point winning margin on them but like i thought it was quite easy yet you know it shouldn't have been if we give over a third of our possession from out of touch to saracens the next time we see the ball will be when we're picking it up after the conversion yeah you know that's yeah. that's just the way it is now 
the, the, the two questions are, is there a systems problem? Or is it that we or was it a, a problem generated by a restriction of ambition before a big game? It's hard to know. I don't know. I just was surprised that they didn't throw on rhyme. That they um, like, and it seemed to be all sorts. Like every error that could happen happened. Yeah. At one stage, yeah. no one jumped. There was <laughs> another. There was another line out where he threw long and Porter caught it at the tail. Yeah. There was without another jumping. line out without jumping. There was another line out where he. I mentioned it earlier. He tried to, to do a little cheeky one. And uh, it clearly hadn't been planned because he nearly wasn't alive to it or awake to it. You know, so, and then there was, <coughs> like, I think they picked off another one from us. That's just from the top of my head. Um, you know, if we think back to the very first match and Munster's new signing, uh, Snyman picked off one in the opening couple of minutes against yeah. us when we played when, when well, for the six minutes he was on the pitch, they, he certainly won one line out against us. Oh, yeah. Well, in the game against Munster, we had a dreadful line out. In the first game back, our line out was poor. Second and third games, it was fine. And then in the fourth game, it was poor again. Mm. Um, now, admittedly, uh, Henderson is a nightmare in a line out. You, you kind of have to throw away from him. Yeah, but at the and same maybe that's time, why he was marking Ryan, perhaps. Yeah, he was marking Ryan, so Ryan wasn't used. But, you know, every, I mean, even if you look at the, the Saracens team or the probable Saracens team, their least star, star, starry, uh, their least starried but most functional second row is Tim Swinson. And he's a bloody nightmare at a line-out as well. I mean, have yeah. you ever known a Scott who wasn't acting the bollocks in the line-out? <laughs> You know, and you put him beside, you know, uh, uh, it, it told Jay, who's just, he's, the, he's, oh, he's a living uh, migraine when it comes to the line out, you know, he's just a living walking migraine. So um, they're going to have to be on their game and they're going to have to get their shit together. Um, otherwise, yeah. you know, if we, if we lose one third of our position, possession out of touch to Saracens on Saturday, um, all the 25 game losing winning streaks in the world won't matter a good goddamn. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we've, we've well, one more question. Um, oh, go on, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Het Brawthorn on, on uh, Twitter asks, what have Saracens learned about Leinster in the last few weeks and vice versa? Part of me feels we are going to see the difference between Pro 14 Leinster and Heineken Cup Leinster TMDC. Another feels we're going to be dragged into their dogfight and piss it away in anger. Um, there's a couple of good points there to extract from that. Have Saracens or Leinster learned anything about each other in the last couple of weeks? You kind of have to say no. Because a lot of powder has been kept dry. Yeah, but I think we had something to play for, Dave. Yeah, true, true. Uh, you know, if you look at, say, the team, okay, we played a very, I wouldn't say a weak team, we, we made 15 changes for, from our first match to our second yeah. match. We kind of went and back for our third back, match. Yeah. And then we kind of played, with the exception of maybe three guys, our first team yeah. on, on, in the final. Um, whereas, I mean, I don't know what Saracen's first team is. I, you know, there's loads of them have left. I'm sure there's guys all trying to get contracts elsewhere, maybe, or, you know, hoping that they can get a nice deal 
for a couple of seasons and go back up because presumably Saracens will go straight back up next season. Uh, so I, I think actually it'd be harder for us to, to figure out yeah. Saracens than, than, than them, us. Yeah, no, I agree. And one thing we don't want to do is we don't want to get dragged into an arm wrestle with their, with their no. starting 15 anyway. Um, there's always, it's funny, we've mentioned, and we, I was, I was, it was a point I wanted to make it, but I wanted to see how the show developed before I said it, and, we, and it's developed the way I wanted it. Um, we talked about the Vunapolas, we talked about, you know, Itoje and whatever, and we haven't talked about the two guys who I reckon are actually super key to everything Saracens do. And that's Alex Good, whether he's a fullback or out half, it doesn't matter. He's a wonderful player. And Brad Barrett. Yeah. Who this is Brad. I was going to say, this is Brad Barrett's kind of final hurrah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, he's kind of Saracens through and through. Mm. Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's, what's he got left to play for if, if uh, like, the, you know, he plays couple of more Mickey Mouse matches next next week and the week after yeah. in the in the Gallagher Premiership. But he's been the guy that that has epitomized you know people I mean we all laughed at Saracens and the Wolf Pack, but I mean the attitude that the, that they show on the pitch and the way they defend and the way they never take a backward step is epitomized and led by Brad Barrett. I think I don't think he gets enough credit because he's no. I, I think to a certain extent, I mean, it, attitudinally, I think he's Saracen's Nathiwa. Hmm. In terms good, of he sets good, the tone. A good analogy for him, yeah. Yeah, he sets the tone. Um, Alex Good, I think, is a wonderful player. Um, him and out half could be dangerous because the one thing about Alex Good is he always beats the first man. Always. He has amazing feet. For a guy who doesn't really look like a, like he doesn't look like a, a, a live, swift dagger-like winger or, or a fullback or, or attacking player. He's slightly barrel-chested, you know, he's, he's, he runs very in an upright way. But man, he's a really good player. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, great. I, I, I'm just, I, I wonder if, um, you know, we saw like it last weekend again, we saw um, our ability to kind of, I don't think, I, Ulster didn't really use the 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 bomb on on uh, Jordan Larmer as much as Munster did, but anything that they did, he seemed to mop up pretty well. And I wonder whether you know Saracens might have seen that two weeks ago and said, "Oh, here's an opportunity to to you know get some get some mileage out of him." And then, say in, in the last two games, he was certainly a marked improvement. Yeah. That, on on the opening game against Munster, where but like he hadn't played rugby in six months. Yeah, so, well, that, people forget you know, that. It's very easy to kind of say, why couldn't you catch that? I need you could catch that. Uh, <laughs> but like if you haven't if you haven't been, you know, in the heat of battle for six months, it's I'm sure it's extremely yeah. hard. To, like this, that should have that match against Munster should have been. Leinster against wasps in Donnybrook in front of 4,000 people having pints and hot dogs. Yeah. You know, I'm watching... Yeah, yeah. Leinster against of... Ealing Trailfinders or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the, other, the other thing is, I mean, having just praised Alex Good, um, he's not going to be able to kick the ball as well or as precisely, although he's a very good kicker, 
as Owen Farrell, because Owen, Far Owen Farrell is one of the top three out halves in the world, maybe even the top out half in the world. So yeah. it's going to be more difficult for them to play a kicking game without him there. Now, Alex Good is a brilliant kicker of the ball. Uh, Elliot Daly at fullback is a brilliant kicker of the ball. But for that kind of ultra precise tactical kicking, the loss of Farrell is huge for them. Like that was kind of um, it was almost another like I probably might be speaking a bit too soon and jinxing it, but it's almost like the final nail in their coffin, having <laughs> Owen Farrell uh, suspended for their final games of their of their season. I know I think he's actually going to be back. He'll be back in time for the semi final if they do get in, won't he? Um, no, he'll be back for the final. Sorry, final. Sorry, yeah. final. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't uh, make we we actually never discussed that last week and it was on my agenda but I, I it was only afterwards I realized I hadn't mentioned it what did you think of Farrell's tackle by the way I th I I thought that what happened what ultimately happened with the disciplinary is, was the right thing he got um the right the right ban for it um I think you could tell the, I don't know if you I presume you saw it um you could tell that he obviously hadn't meant it um and you could tell he was very sorry about it straight away. I mean, <clears throat> in Ireland, we have a fairly, uh, our view of, of, of Owen Farrell is seen through the red rose glasses, if you like, or yeah. whatever way you want to look at it. Um, and, he, and he is a very aggressive player on the pitch. But I don't think he's a willfully dirty one. I think occasionally, no, he's, huh? I, I think occasionally uh, his aggression overspills. But at the end of the day, he only has one proven sighting in his entire career. Yeah, I I was listening to somebody four years ago. In his England career. No, oh yeah, no, in his entire career. Oh, I know that. I know in his England career, he played eighty-eight. This is, I think, it's eighty-five tests between England and the Lions. He's conceded thirty-three penalties, and he's got two yellow cards. So that's not a bad record. It's not a bad considering record. All those big games, and I suppose, you know, people always. Because he's one of the most famous players in the world, he has a high shot on a South African. It's, yeah. you know, replayed over and over again. He has a high shot on a guy in the Premiership. It's replayed over and over again because he's Owen Farrell. You know, like I can remember when Johnny Wilkinson was, you know, going back uh, 18, 19 years ago, Johnny Wilkinson was ferociously yeah. attacking yeah. Now he kind of did tackle a lot lower, but he drilled you. But he drilled you in the ribs rather than yeah. on the but on the collarbone. If Johnny Wilkinson's tackling was refereed under the same refereeing environment we have today, I'd say he'd have his he'd have thirty three penalties given away and two yellow cards. He'd have a similar disciplinary record or a similar reputation anyway to Farrell because that's just the way it is. I mean. The Autumn International Series, was it two, two autumns ago, is the one where you were talking about South Africa and then again against New Zealand, I think, or Australia, I can't remember. Anyway, but that's the one that's, that's dogged him reputationally ever since, even though he wasn't cited. He wasn't carded at the time. So... Um, yeah, but if you remember, Razzie was kind of mimicking him with the, with the tackle bags. Do you remember? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> like it was... That, yeah. Um, but he got 10 weeks... And he got five five off for fifty percent. In in I, I've been reading. I read his actual uh, uh, disciplinary uh, hearing report today, 
um, because generally they give you a chance to appeal and he hasn't decided to appeal, so it's up online. And I've been reading a couple of them. And the RFU's policy is to start with full 50% mitigation and then work, then you take the weeks off, depending on whether you've been a bad boy or not, you know? So he was- he's so he didn't get any weeks off. He didn't, he, he, no, sorry, you start on the full amount of mitigation. You start okay. on the full 50% off and then they add them on depending on your, if you've been a bad boy. Okay. He got the 50% off and it stayed 50% off. Yeah. So I mean, kind of coincides for the RFU's or winter international series. Well, possibly, but on the other hand, the RFU don't That's want to be cynical. I, I, I know, but the RFU don't want the embarrassment of Saracens winning the Heineken Cup. Probably not. So they don't. They really don't. Because it's going to be really embarrassing all next year. You, you know if Saracens win it all next year, <coughs> they'd be like South Africa. Remember South Africa refused to accept that any World Cup before 1995 was an actual World Cup? Remember mm -hmm. what Louis Lute said at the, at the yeah. World Cup at post-match dinner? South Africa have won the first real World Cup. The rest didn't count because we weren't playing. So we're joined by Mick Sullivan, who's going to come in for the late replacement for John, who, as I said, is away getting his nails manicured. So Mick, your views on the game against Saracens at the weekend? Um, Jesus, Chase, that's an open question. My it is. Views, okay, well, um, right. We went I'm through the more, team. I'm getting more... Okay. Okay. I'm getting Before, more confident the closer I get. Um, I think... It's hard to judge because you don't know how good Leinster are and we don't know anything about Saracens really uh, bar watching the kind of non-events that is the Premiership. Um, I think sometimes the whole 24 unbeaten run, like 24, who do they beat? Ospreys Academy at home and things like that. So at least Munster, and you know, everyone gave out about Munster Munster are never as bad as you think they are. And I just think Lancer aren't as good as we think they are. But I still think they have enough to beat Saracens. I just think that uh, Saracens, you know, if you, if you were at the match the last time, Jason and Dave, you know, they were a massive pack in the final. They were absolutely huge. And maybe it was a soccer pitch, but they, it seemed small and enclosed and it looked as if they were massive. Will Skelton was immense that day. And, uh, you know, did huge pack. Atoje was six, like, you know, and Cruz. So they're missing those two, you know. And the one thing that, about Leinster, I think, and Irish teams, that they get beaten up sometimes because we're just not as big a men. And if you look at Racing the previous year, we just got to buy that one. And it was a huge pack in a wet day. I don't think Saracen have that huge pack anymore. And that's the big thing. Uh, and of course, Farrell not being there. But uh, look, I'm more confident now uh, than I had been, you know, even last week and things like that. I think if Saracen keep on talking themselves up, saying this is our final, this is our final, well, Leinster will be more aware of what's happening. Um, it's, of course, it's a pity that there's no crowd there. But I think that what we have now is we have a big man in the back row, which is Caelan Darris, and we haven't had that in a long while. And that's even for Irish rugby. We haven't had a big six. You know, Paris was the last big world-class six we had. 
you know, um, and then you're going back to Philip Matthews days and things like that. We've had a lot of really good players like Quinlan and Easterby, but they're not big, big men. And if you're trying to beat teams like Saracens in South Africa, you need big men a lot of the time. So I think Darris is defined. I think he's fantastic. And we need someone to remember Sean O'Brien was playing in the final last year and Vardy in the back row. Like they're not young men at that day. So now we have a lot younger back row. And I think, you know, that'll, you know, whether this, the Mako Vonopolo is playing is another thing because he's, he's a massive ball carrier for them. And even if he's on for 50 minutes, he takes the ball on so many times and somebody has to tackle him. You know, and it's normally two. And it's normally fellas that are going to be absolutely knackered in the second half. And then the big brother takes it on in the wider channels and makes loads of hay. But, you know, I just think, of course, I just, I'm excited about it. Uh, quietly confident. But I think, you know, if the line-out doesn't work, you know, we're at nothing. We're giving balls away. And that's whatever the statistics say, one or two or three minutes away. It's all right giving it away to Munster that are going to kick it back at you. But these guys, you know, these guys are really smart. They're a great team. And, you know, they have that chip in the shoulder. Myself and Jason were talking Codswallop earlier because there's no greater experts on scrum half play than a former prop and a pro former lock. So we were talking about McGrath versus Gibson Park. As someone who was actually a scrum half, uh, yeah. what would your thinking on that be? Um, well, I think... Luke McGrath is like an old kind of coat with this team. He just fits in. He knows how to work. And I think you saw that the last day. And Gibson Park, as good as he is, he's probably a better footballer than uh, Luke McGrath. But Luke McGrath knows the heartbeat of this team. He's grown up with it. Do you know what I mean? He's nearly going to be a captain of it. I don't think he's particularly world-class or international class, but I think he's really good for this team. You know, I don't think he'd, you know, be, you know, you know, pushing for the Irish team. But I just think he's a good mix. I think Gibson Park showed a bit jittery the last day because he was starting. Um, you know, I, look, I think Gibson Park is a snappier passer. Uh, you know, Luke McGrath is very good at getting the ball away. But I just sometimes feel that sometimes it's inaccurate. It goes behind Johnny Sexton. It goes, you know, and... Sexton takes the ball so flat that if it's off a bit, you know, he gets nailed. So um, I'm just, my bugbear is that the standard of scrum halves is poor in Ireland and has been. You know, it's just, I think the attitude is if you're kind of 15, 16 and you're a brilliant fullback and you're not growing, they say he's a good footballer, put him in scrum half. But you wouldn't see that in New Zealand. You don't see you know, too many six foot two, six foot three scrum halves in New Zealand. They're all about, our Australia, they're all about getting the ball away, getting the ball like Stringer-esque. It's no coincidence that we had the best backline and the best player who's ever played at number 13 and we had Stringer in at scrum half, throwing the ball to an O'Gara who was putting it on a plate for O'Driscoll to make the outside lines. You know, it's a simple game and I think your scrum halves have to be able to pass. I don't see anyone in Ireland that are good passers. I would say just nearly three or four Welsh scrum halves better than what's second in Ireland. Uh, and then you throw in a, maybe a couple of Scots guys, uh, you know, and the English, well, you know, scrum half play is nearly irrelevant because there's such a big pack. 
uh, you know, but, you know, I just think that, Luke, back to your question, I think Luke McGrath, definitely, um, you know, he's, as I said, like, he's, at this stage, he's like a comfortable pair of shoes on that team. He's not, he's very brave, he, you know, he's, he makes it the odd good break, but, you know, if you want to be, it's, he's a bit like what your man Wigglesworth was for Saracens. Never really made it at England, but he was great for Saracens. And I think that's the way Luke McGrath is. Uh, and Gibson Park, I think he's, you know, he spots James Lowe on those. It's not the first time we've seen those tries that he hits it so flat. I think he's a great, probably footballing brain. You know what I mean? But um, he'll be hard to press Luke McGrath because I think... It's like anything, they have Luke McGrath as nearly a vice captain at this stage and they're not going to move him. And I don't think they should move him. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think I'd love to see Luke McGrath's service better. That's what it was. Yeah, I mean, like we were going through the back row earlier. Like, what, what, what would you, would you play Van der Fleer, that man of the match against um, Ulster at the weekend? Would you play him over Connors or would you keep, go back to Connors? Um... Look, how do they play? You know, when Vunapolo, Billy Vunapolo plays well, England win. When Billy Vunapolo plays well for Saracens, they definitely win. So I just think that, you know, the bit I've seen of this guy, Will Connors, is that he's a bit like your man, Dan Liviot. Was it from Wales? Yeah, he just gets the ankles. And remember Dan Liviot, uh, chopped tackling Ferris and O'Brien. You know what I mean? Yeah. All this time. And we couldn't get... Any go forward ball. In the quarter final against World Wales. Cup, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but he's, he did it several times, and yeah. Gatlin had a number on us with that. And uh, so I just think Will Connors to stop him dead. Do you know what I mean? Like, because once he gets going, I don't think, to me, Van der Fleer is he's a, he's a really, really brilliant player. If those guys are going to run the ball out the back, he's going to stress your man. He's going to be all over. But if it's just chop tackle this lad, and he is. You know, they're number one. The two Vunapolos are the number one ball carriers. Do you know what I mean? So if you can stop, you know, the Billy lad, uh, that's, that's going to be the thing. And that's why, well, I don't know, but I would say that that's why Connors will be in there because Van der Fleer is a brilliant player playing a different type of rugby. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's a great situation to be in. I mean, if, if we were playing the game upright, if you like, you'd have Van der Fleer. But I have a feeling this game in terms of the back row is going to be played on the deck or not on the yeah. deck, but close to the deck or bringing guys down to the deck. And Will Connors is the man for that. Yeah. But Dave, do you know what, you know, the thing about it is Billy Vonapolo, he's his brother carrying X amount of times every game. Right. And he's making the hard yards. He might be only making a meter a time, but he's taking our lads out of it. And he's mm. doing that 10 or 12 times. Like I just read there the other day that Munster against Leinster, their front row only carried less than five times. Like yeah. Vinnie Vopolo takes the ball on ten times. And sure, I nearly feel sorry for uh, CJ Stander because he's taking the ball so much. The others mm -hmm. are taking, not taking at all. So everyone's saying, poor old, geez, CJ's not making much room. But CJ's taking it all the bloody time. Do you know what I mean? He's not going to have great stats, yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah. there's no one else taking the bloody thing. Like Billy Vanapola takes it a yard or two away from the rook, which is easier. Well, the brother is taking it, you know, right beside it. And he's, you know, it's a different, you know, so. Uh, I think, I think going back to that Munster match, I think 
Caelan Barris carried the ball more than the entire Munster pack. Yes, he did. Yeah. His, 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 his individual stats are greater than the entire Munster pack stats. Do you know what? But it's, it's great and it keeps you excited to see a fantastic player coming on the scene. And, you know, he's, you know, you hear, you hear about all these players going up and all that and you wonder whether they're going to make it. This guy is, he's great. He's fantastic. It's just beating tackles like Sean O'Brien and Rocky Elson. That's what we need. To, you know what I mean? You know, that's what Leinster need, Ireland need. Do you know what I mean? Because we don't have that, you know. Um, with it. He's clever. I mean, yeah. when he chooses to go and where he chooses to go and when he carries and when he doesn't carry, he picks. Yeah. He makes those choices very well. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. And uh, look, he's look, he's exciting, and it's it's exactly what we need. And he's in at six. I think our back row. I don't know whether you tipped on our back row are stronger this year than last yeah, year. We said that, yeah, that's what we made that point. All right. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. It's yeah. younger. It's fresher. Um. Yeah, it, and, and it's in better form. I mean, last year we had guys, I mean, Fardy was great, Sean O'Brien's a great servant to the club. Jack Conan was just coming back from injury, but they weren't entirely in form. Whereas this yeah. year, you look at the three of them, and they, or the four of them, if you include Van der Fleer. And yeah. myself and Jason were saying earlier that neither of us would even uh, contemplate using Dan Levy for this game. So you've got a, a whole host of guys there. Um, yeah. But of the four that are involved in this game or potentially involved in this game, all four are in top form. Yeah. Yeah. Would you would you, would you countenance um, bringing Fardy back into the second row? No. I'd have him on the bench. Yeah. I think uh, Toner reacts better starting than than coming on, doesn't he? Oh well, God, Jason, what's our weakest point? Is the line out? Mm. Jesus, you know it's a lot easier for a hooker to hit a six foot ten fella. Do you know what I mean? And James Ryan, you know, James Ryan will, you know, or whoever's running it. You know, he, I, didn't, I don't think he called anything on himself the last day. He's probably knackered. But it's great to have him back. You know what I mean? Jeepers, you know what I mean? And I think last time I saw Ireland playing England, James Ryan, obviously, I think he'll have a go at Otoje. He had a go against Ireland, England. Otoje started ruling the pack the last few times. Do you know what I mean? Remember, he, he, he got, who was it, Keith Earls. He went late on Keith Earls. Do you remember? didn't yeah. get pinned and he did a few things you know he was the man to take on he was the Paul O'Connell kind of but the last day Ryan you know hit him late a couple of times and I think Ryan is going to go after a toe Jay and, uh, and so. Joe, what? It's just like Ryan, Ryan is no longer the young fresh faced boy on the team exactly. he needs to kind of take over yeah. the, 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 the Paul O'Connell yeah. not thug I don't think he can be a thug in rugby anymore. I think it's too strict, there are too many cameras, but just a bit of a hard man enforcer. Yeah, I think he will. I think he will because I saw it the last time against him. You know, because, look, he's, he's going to be on the lines, obviously, with Atoje, and everyone's saying Atoje is better than him and all that. But I think Ryan will just, you'll see it, an element to him that, you know, is developing, I think. And, of course, he's a fantastic player. Um, that look, it's exciting, but it, God, they play great rugby, Leinster. Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, they play great rugby. And Saracens, up until recently, you know, played awful stuff. Like, you just kick the ball away all the time and then let you make mistakes and pressurise you and they're a big pack and you couldn't move them. And that was it, you know. So, you know, I, I, as you said before... Do you I, the, was it the... I was going to say, do you remember the quarter final or the semi-final against Munster 
couple of seasons ago. And they just kept kicking the ball back to Munster. And Munster couldn't do anything with it. Yeah, no. They were just been hit on the, on the line, on the game line. Yeah. The wolf pack. Yeah. yeah, but but you know, in fairness to Mark McCall, he's brought that exciting, you know, they play a lot. Like what I couldn't get over the last time in the final and the seats that we're sitting on, you know, when Saracens got the ball, it eventually go to Liam Williams. And from start to finish, they made about 50, 60 yards without a tackle going in. And at least what Leinster have done against Munster this season and against Ulster they're doing this rush defence. Mm. They hadn't, well, I don't think they've been doing this to the same. Like, Van der Flair was at your man all the time, Billy Burns, and they're up in front, and what's his name, Henshaw. The fact that Henshaw went for an intercept shows you how close they were. Mm. Well, last year in the final, they were letting them run easy yards. I couldn't get over it. Do you know what I mean? And only that in the first half, only that Liam Williams knocked on a couple of times, or someone knocked on a couple of times, you know, scrum to Leinster. Do you know what I mean? And we got back out and things. But I think the, you know, the defence is much better against Saracens because that's the way they play against you all the time. So I think there'll be an awful lot of chips through and things like that. You know, I think that uh, Sexton's going to chip through a lot and things like that in this match. Uh, There's more variety to the, to the team this year than... I, th- I, I think Henshaw's been kicking well this year uh, since, the, since the return. Um, doing lots of little chips, that whole kind of Crusaders thing. Um, yeah. there's been we've been kicking further out yeah. than yeah. not necessarily just just yeah. sexing. Yeah, no, and I must say that you know uh, the last thing which got Ross Byrne and his touch kicking was phenomenal. Like yeah. he, he gets he squeezed out another 20, 30 yards that uh, that uh, Johnny doesn't even get. Do you know, and you I mean? can see and Billy Burns went for one and he made about ten. Sorry, Mick, Billy Burns went for one touch kick and he yeah. probably made about ten meters. Yeah. You know, he, it was a penalty and he kicked it from, say, the halfway line to the 10 metre line. Yeah. Whereas Ross Byrne was kicking it from the halfway line to the five metre line up yeah. at the, on, yeah. on the, the Ulster uh, try line. Yeah. Jay, we're yeah, reaching yeah. The, the file size limit here, so we better. Okay. Lads, can we just ask you quickly for. Yeah. Just ask you quickly, lads, for predictions um, for the other quarterfinals. Claremont mm-hmm. Rassing. Claremont. Who are at home? Claremont? Claremont. Uh, Claremont at home. Rassing. I think Rassing. <laughs> okay. There's uh, no Toulouse crowd. versus... There's no credit. Toulouse versus Ulster. Toulouse. Toulouse. Uh, Exeter Saints. Exeter. Oh, Exeter. Saints, of course, from our group, who where we saw them a couple of times, they were quite poor. How are we, boys? As ever, thanks a million. Mick, thanks very much for joining us tonight. A Leinster win by about three points. <laughs> Good man, Mick, very optimistic. Dave, what's your prediction for the Leinster game? Uh, I, I actually think that it'll be close enough until about 20 minutes to go, and I think Leinster's bench will take it away from them. So I'm going to say seven or eight points. Excellent. Good optimism. Boys, thanks very much. Michael, thanks very much for subbing in. Much appreciated. David Flair, Clough. (laughs) 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 